booster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine with your early news, along with sports, weather, traffic, and business. Coming up, and here's your top five at five. This, this is the top five at five. More tragedy for the NYPD. The second NYPD officer shot last Friday night in Harlem has succumbed to his injuries suffered in that ambush. Top New York State Democrats are refusing pleas from New York City Mayor Adams to change bail reform laws responsible for putting young gun-toting juveniles back out onto the streets. President Biden is considering putting 50,000 U.S. military personnel on alert as the Ukraine-Russia crisis boils over. Bad news for the global economy. The International Monetary Fund has cut its growth forecast for the remainder of this year. Well, disappointment for those who hoped Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi would fade into the sunset. All right, a double tragedy. The second NYPD officer shot on Friday evening in Harlem while responding to a domestic disturbance call has died. 27-year-old officer William Mora was shot in his head. He underwent two surgeries. He remained on life support for organ donation. His partner, 22-year-old Jason Rivera, died on Friday. Police Union President is Pat Lynch. He visited the 32nd Precinct to offer his support. New York City police officers live here, work here. They are here. They're your neighbors. They're your brothers. They're your sisters, mothers and fathers. A third officer shot the fleeing suspect who used a weapon stolen out of Baltimore in 2017 to shoot Rivera and Mora. Now, Rivera's wake is tomorrow, Thursday. The funeral set for Friday, both at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan. Services for Mora not yet announced. Well, New York State legislative leaders are bucking New York City Mayor Eric Adams' calls for changes to bail reform laws. Top court officials say judges largely agree with this call for reform, allowing dangerous criminals to be locked up. The opposition is from two high-ranking Democratic leaders out of New York City. Senate Majority Leader Andrea Cousins of Yonkers and Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty out of the Bronx. So New York City's Mayor Eric Adams wants to raise the age law. He wants it uh, rolled back so gun-toting teens can be prosecuted in criminal court. Eric Adams, please follow the shooting of five NYPD officers since January 1. New York is the only state in the country that does not allow a judge to detain a defendant who poses an immediate threat to the community. Forty-nine other states, as well as the federal government, allow judges to consider a defendant's dangerousness. New York must catch up. Under controversial bail reform laws in New York, judges are forced to free defendants charged with things like misdemeanors and even some felonies. Release them from custody without ordering bail, therefore sending some potentially dangerous criminals right back out onto the streets. Judges can only impose the least restrictive conditions to ensure defendants return to court. A more escalation of the Ukraine-Russia crisis, the 
Biden administration is about to increase tensions, possibly ordering the buildup of even more U.S. military troops. Pentagon Press Secretary is John Kirby. He told CNN Tuesday that President Biden is not ruling out putting even more U.S. troops on heightened alert. I certainly would not rule out uh, the possibility that we could be putting additional forces on heightened alert in the coming days and weeks uh, and maybe even moving troops around Europe that are already there uh, to bolster and to reassure some of our allies on the ground. Kirby has already confirmed to the U.S. Defense Department that 8,500 troops have been put on standby for deployment. A report claims Biden is also considering deploying an additional 50,000 troops should Russia invade Ukraine. U.S. also promising harsh sanctions if Russia invades Ukraine. European allies, meanwhile, fear Russia will cut off their supply chain in retaliation for any U.S.-imposed economic sanctions. Ukraine declared independence from the USSR back in 1991. 77 WABC time check, 507. Let's head over to the traffic desk with Mike Garcia. Thank you, Deb. Thank you, Deb. Good morning, everyone. Looking pretty quiet out there on the George Washington Bridge, Lincoln and Holland Tunnels. Looking over in the town of Sparta, there was an accident on Route 15 northbound, which means all lanes are closed. At Comac on the LIE on I-495 westbound between exit 53 and exit 51, there's a road construction going on. The HOV and left lanes are closed, so stay on the right side if you can. As a reminder, both east and westbound west 135th Street between 7th and 5th Avenue are closed due to Friday's fatal police shooting. Alternate side parking rules are in effect today. I'm Mike Garcia with your travel report on 77 WABC. And taking a look now at your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. And a cold one today. Sunshine, though, are high only 27. The wind chill 10 to 15. Mostly clear skies overnight. The low down to 13 right now. In Manhattan, 22 degrees under clear skies. Continuing with your top five at five under the Biden administration, a downturn in the global growth forecast for the rest of the year. The International Monetary Fund has cut its growth forecast for the remainder of 2022. The slowing economic recovery in the United States and China, the rise in COVID-19 cases and supply chain disruptions all blamed here. Here's IMF First Deputy Managing Director Gita Gopinath on Bloomberg TV. You know, you're seeing a seeing a decline. We expect it to come down, but we're going to have to wait until 2023, at least given current expectations uh, for inflation to come back down much closer to the Fed target. The IMF outlook has forecast the global GDP downward to 4.9 percent for 2022. The global GDP was originally forecast to reach 4.9 percent. Well, she's not done. Some say this could actually hurt the Democratic Party's chances in the upcoming midterm elections. 81-year-old Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi of California announced yesterday she will seek another term in Congress. Pelosi revealing her intentions in a video posted to her Twitter handle. Our democracy is at risk because of assaults on the truth, the assault on the U.S. Capitol, and the state-by-state assault on voting rights. This election is crucial. Nothing less is at stake than our democracy. But as we say, we don't agonize, we organize. 
And that is why I am running for re-election to Congress and respectfully seek your support. Pelosi first elected to Congress in 1987, and she has been the top House Democrat since 2003. In 2007, she became the first woman to hold the Speaker's gavel. All right, 77 WABC News Time 510. Deb Valentine with your early news. Well, Americans say they like Joe Biden as a person, but not as commander-in-chief. This Gallup survey finding six in ten Americans think Biden is likable and intelligent. However, more than half question his ability to manage the government and his capability as a strong and decisive leader. Respondents to this poll gave Biden a favorability rating of just 40 percent. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says there are more crises that Biden has faced than you would think. The message uh, from the president to them is he is committed to continuing to fight. Uh, You heard him say this week that voting rights, uh, the rights of people to express their views at the polls, uh, is something that is fundamental to him, and uh, he's going to stay at it. And Biden's crises include the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, a sputtering economy and high inflation, a chaotic military withdrawal from Afghanistan and a surge of illegal immigrants at the southern border and a stalled legislative agenda. And even criticism against President Biden from a top Democrat, Republican U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina told the Brian Kilmeade show that Biden has been a wrecking ball on national security policies. The previous administration, um, we've been clear about this, left us with a terrible set of options. Uh, what did they All right, Lindsey Graham there. Graham, a Republican, also says NATO members, especially Baltic states, want a robust response from the U.S. to counter Russia. Graham said that he supports sending the troops, saying the signal he wants to send is we're not going to back off. The U.S. threatening severe sanctions if Russia, in fact, invades Ukraine while putting 8,500 military personnel on high alert and sending military equipment to Eastern Europe. So, Have you ever wondered just how rich is former President Donald Trump? Well, Forbes magazine has gotten a look at Trump's financial statements released by New York State Attorney General Letitia James last week, all part of her probe into the Trump organization. Now, Forbes concludes Trump had 93 million in the bank during the last year of his presidency, dramatically lower than the previous Trump claims of 793 million back in 2015. Perhaps Trump, though, also factored in additional holdings in his portfolio, including things like real estate, golf courses and brand assets. Well, negotiations to renew the 2015 Iranian nuclear deal are at a standstill. Two U.S. officials have stepped back from the talks. A third U.S. official has actually departed the failed talks over international discord. The Wall Street Journal reporting U.S. team members sought a tougher stance towards Iran The Wall Street Journal reporting Monday that Richard Nephew, the State Department's deputy special envoy, left the talks in Vienna back in December. Here's State Department spokesperson Ned Price. The previous administration, um, we've been clear about this, left us with a terrible set of options. Uh, The maximum pressure campaign uh, was an abject failure. Everything that it promised, the opposite, ended up coming true. So the clock is ticking. U.S. and European officials warning time's running out to rescue this agreement because Iran could be able to produce enough nuclear fuel for a bomb within the next few weeks. Some COVID-19 news from Pfizer. The drug manufacturer has started clinical trials for its new COVID-19 vaccine tailored to the Omicron variant. Now, Pfizer says the shot could be available by March. 
should it clear regulatory hurdles? Here's Dr. Anthony Fauci talking about it on MSNBC. If, in fact, it becomes the low-level dominant variant that you'd want to protect people from breakthrough infections and you might want to boost them, it makes sense to think in terms of at least having ready an Omicron-specific boost. The potential spring rollout comes as the Omicron variant of COVID is already beginning to show signs of receding. Nationwide cases are down 14 percent. Deaths are up 35 percent, though, and hospitalizations up 9 percent. Declines in cases are reported, though, in the Northeast, including New York and New Jersey, where it is believed the Omicron variant first surfaced. All right, 77 WABC time check, 515. I'm Deb Valentine with your 77 WABC early news and Justin Ellick at the sports desk. Morning, Justin. Good morning, Deb. Happy hump day Wednesday. I am Justin Ellick here with your early news sports update. We start with, we start today with some big news out of the uh, National Football League as New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton announced yesterday that he'd be stepping away from from the Saints sideline after 16 years with the franchise. 58-year-old Peyton said he doesn't plan to coach another team in 2022, but did stress multiple times that retirement is not the right word. The Super Bowl champion and future Hall of Famer departs with three years remaining on his contract. So if he did have aspirations to coach elsewhere next season, the Saints would have to agree to trade compensation. Former Buccaneers wide receiver Antonio Brown making headlines again as well as Brown and his attorney said Tuesday that they intend to pursue legal action against the Bucks for releasing Brown after he refused to play through an injury against the New York Jets earlier this month. Attorney Sean Burston also stated that they are looking into a possible defamation lawsuit for the team uh, for the team claiming Brown had a mental health episode. The feud between the 33-year-old wideout and his former employer doesn't seem to be cooling down in the slightest. You might not have known it with the current lockout putting the league to sleep, but the Baseball Hall of Fame announced its 2022 inductees yesterday. With the ballot still riddled with players tainted by the steroid era, Red Sox legend David Big Poppy Ortiz was the lone player elected to the Hall this year. A first ballot selection at that. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Sammy Sosa are among the handful of former stars that missed the cut. Quickly, some local scores from yesterday. The Nets lose at home to the Lakers, 106-96. And the Knicks have a 7.30 p.m. Eastern time date tonight in Miami against the Heat. The Devils got routed at home by the Dallas Stars by a score of 5-1. to And the Islanders bested the Philly Flyers at home 4-3. to The Rangers are off until tomorrow when they take on the Blue Jackets in Columbus. Here are the early news sports update. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, and thanks, Justin. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center calling for sunshine today. Our high near 27. The wind chill, 10 to 15. Tonight, mostly clear skies, low around 13. And uh, the possibility of a nor'easter hitting us Friday night into Saturday also exists with predictions of maybe, maybe up to a foot of snow here in the New York City area. All right, 77 WABC time check 517. Let's head over to Frank Marano with your business report.
I'm Frank Moreno with your business report. The opening bell rings this morning on Wall Street after another wild trading day as interest rate jitters and geopolitical concerns continued to rattle the markets. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones lost 67 points, the S&P 500 lost 54, and the Nasdaq fell 316 points. Bank of America says the United States is likely just a few years away from implementing a national digital currency. The idea of a digital coin issued by the U.S. government known as central bank digital currencies have gained prominence in recent years alongside the rise of leading crypto tokens such as Bitcoin, which is not tied to any government institution. According to Bloomberg, Bank of America crypto strategists wrote in a client note on Monday that U.S.-backed digital coins are an inevitable evolution of today's electronic currencies. They added the first U.S. digital dollar could be issued between 2025 and 2030. We'll be watching. Industry officials warned this week that many more U.S. restaurants could close permanently if Congress does not pass additional federal relief measures during the Omicron surge. The National Restaurant Association outlined the dilemma in a letter urging congressional leaders to replenish the Restaurant Revitalization Fund, which provided $29 billion in grant money to bars and eateries impacted by COVID-19 restrictions. And finally, Ben & Jerry's parent company Unilever plans a massive overhaul that includes job cuts and global restructuring. This will have the Vermont-based ice cream maker operate under a separate umbrella along with its sister brands Breyers and Klondike. The popular seller of flavors like Chunky Monkey and Salted Caramel Brownie is one of more than 400 brands in the Unilever portfolio, which includes Dove, Lipton, and others. It's unclear if the public backlash to Ben & Jerry's decision on Israel recently played a role in the parent company's restructuring. I'm Frank Morano with your business report. All right, 77 WABC Early News with Deb Valentine, time check 519. Well, it's back. The New York mask mandate is reinstated for now. A judge granted a stay while an appeal by the New York governor's office plays out. On Monday, a Long Island judge overturned New York Governor Kathy Hochul's mandate, saying it was not constitutional. 77 WABC's Lydia Serrani spoke with Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman, who is leading the charge to make masking in school optional. And this is Lydia Serrani with Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman. Talk to me about the mask mandate. You had a Long Island judge. He overturned it. And now Hochul, she has filed an appeal. So tell me in the first place why the Long Island judge overturned the mask mandate in the first place. Basically, the judge found that there was no basis in law for the governor to issue the mandate. That type of ruling has to come from the legislature and that the executive branch can't act unilaterally. A lot of parents, I'm one of them myself, they would like to see this mask mandate be optional. We've heard from thousands of parents that they believe that it is their choice to make important decisions about their children. And a lot of the parents feel that masking should be optional. Some kids, uh, it creates tremendous anxiety. It, It creates emotional issues to wear the mask and it, and it creates health issues. 
there is no exceptions to the governor's mandate. So, for instance, if a child had some kind of health care issue, whether it be a sensory issue or whatever it is, there was nothing in the governor's mandate that would create an exception. We are already seeing some of the detrimental side effects to masking, specifically to younger children, children that are still learning how to speak. Like you said, children with sensory issues, children that may be on the autism spectrum. And yet here we are, even though we are seeing declining COVID rates, the death rate plummeting, et cetera, et cetera. And yet the governor, why is she so insistent upon having this mask mandate and having all of our children masked up? It seems like to infinity and beyond. Well, I don't think the governor is taking into account the collateral damage to our children, such as children who have issues where the mask would make them uncomfortable or it would be unhealthy to that child. And we've asked the governor for the metrics. Tell us what the metric you use to start the mandate and tell us what metric you use to end the mandate. And we've been asking for this for three weeks. So apparently they don't have a metric. How can you make a mandate when you don't know where you're going to start and where you're going to finish? I'm seeing on social media, because a lot of people, that's where we get our information from nowadays, that they sent their kids to school without the masks. And then the kids were herded into the auditorium and told that they could not be in the classrooms, that they had to attend class via Zoom. There is so much chaos and confusion. Why are they doing this to our children? You can go to Costco. You can go to a movie theater now. You can go to a hockey game. You don't have to wear a mask, but only our kids have to wear masks when they're in school, when they are the least vulnerable uh, to the Omicron variant. So it makes no sense. It's not backed up by science, and we're not taking to account the collateral damage to our school-age kids. No, they are not. Well, thank you so much, Bruce Blakeman. And again, this is Lydia Serrani for 77 WABC News. And adding to this, some district told parents on Tuesday that masks were optional, and others said they believe the state mandate remained in place while the appeal is pending. The WABC Early News. Well, President Joe Biden phoned New York City Mayor Eric Adams Monday night. Biden offering firm support to Adams to crack down on violent crime following the fatal shooting of two NYPD officers in Harlem last Friday. Five officers have been shot so far this year. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said that Biden called Adams to express his deepest condolences over the killings of officers Wilbur Mora and Jason Rivera. Last night, President Biden spoke by phone uh, with New York City Mayor Eric Adams to express his deepest condolences over the tragic shootings last Friday of two New York Police Department officers, including one fatally. President Biden reiterated his admiration for the brave men and women of law enforcement who risk their lives on a daily basis to protect our communities. For the week ending January 23rd, NYPD crime stats show crime is up 44 percent compared to the same time period last year. The only major crime category showing a decline is murder, down 44 percent. Rivera succumbed to his injuries Friday after being shot during that domestic disturbance call. Mora taken off life support Tuesday. Shortly after Saki spoke, the suspect, LaShawn McNeil, died Monday from wounds suffered when a third officer returned fire. And we do have some details on funeral services for fallen NYPD officer Jason Rivera, just 22 years old. His wake is tomorrow and the funeral mass Friday, both at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan. The wake from 1 to 8 p.m., the funeral mass begins at 9 a.m. Friday. 
and thousands of mourners are expected, so Fifth Avenue will be shut down to traffic between 42nd and 51st Streets for the funeral. First responders from all across the country are expected to be in attendance. Rivera's internment will be private and held at a cemetery in Westchester County. A wild scene at a New York City hospital captured on video. A man whipped out a gun and shot a patient. This happened inside of Jacoby Hospital's emergency room Tuesday afternoon. The wild series events caught on video. The gunman dressed in all black runs from an ER desk over to the waiting area, pulling out his weapon and firing at his male victim. Somebody said, oh, someone has a gun, someone has a gun. The victim was awaiting treatment for a previous injury and is seen frantically trying to take cover in the waiting area. So the ER ended up going into lockdown mode. The suspect ran off and so far he hasn't been caught. The victim is expected to recover. He also survived a shooting last year. A political artist was arrested Tuesday for creating a fake crime scene right outside Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's office, complete with a tiny blood-stained pink jacket like the one worn by a baby recently shot in the cheek from a stray bullet. Scott Lobiato, a self-described artist, patriot, and activist who claims to celebrate America with bold brush strokes, called his installation a creative protest against woke DAs and their approaches to criminal justice reform. He's got blood on his f***ing hands. That's what he has, blood on his hands. The is the governor. Bragg recently issued a memorandum directing his office to take a lenient approach to prosecutions by dropping some misdemeanor cases and not seeking bail or prison time for some felonies. Now, under pressure, Bragg partially walked back his soft-on-crime approach earlier this week, stating that some felonies will be prosecuted. Lobiato said the protest was against all district attorneys, including those outside of New York. All right, 77 WABC time check. 527, let's head over to the traffic desk with Mike Garcia. Good morning, everyone, and thank you, Deb. Looking pretty quiet still out there on the George Washington Bridge, Lincoln, and Holland Tunnels. Looking over the town of Sparta, there was an accident that occurred this morning on Route 15 northbound, which means all lanes are closed, so please try to find an alternate route from there. In Brooklyn on I-278 eastbound between exit 23 and exit 24, there's lots of stop-and-go traffic, so please plan accordingly with that as well. As a reminder, both east and westbound, west 135th Street between 7th and 5th Avenue are all closed due to Friday's fatal police shooting. Alternate side parking rules are in effect today. I'm Mike Garcia with your traffic report on 77 WABC. All right, and thanks, Mike. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center calling for sunshine today, not as warm as yesterday, or high today near 27. The wind chill between 10 and 15 degrees. Tonight, mostly clear skies. The low is down to 13 degrees, and we are keeping our eye on the potential for a nor'easter Friday night into Saturday right now. 22 degrees, mostly cloudy skies in New York City. The WABC Early News. All right. Controversy sparked after Planned Parenthood hosted a reproductive health workshop. Now, this was at a New York City elite school, the Nightingale Bamford School for Girls on Monday. 
Instagram account at NYC Private School Watch slammed the school over Planned Parenthood's visit, accusing the institution of overstepping its bounds. So this visit appeared to be, though, part of the school's annual Health and Wellness Day. It allows students to opt into workshops about specific health topics. It is unclear if parental consent was actually required for students to participate in the workshop. The school also has the second highest paid head teacher in New York City. Listen to this, a whopping salary of over $900,000 at New York City's elite Nightingale Bamford School and uh, other compensation as well, such as housing in 2019 for people working at that school. Wow. Well, British punk rocker Elvis Costello has inked an exclusive publishing deal with BMG, part of Sony Music Now. Terms of the deal not disclosed, though. Costello, though, the latest recording started cash in on deals for rights to their catalogs. Other artists to cash in with BMG include John Legend, a legend, ZZ Top, Motley Crue, and Tina Turner. All right, 77 WABC News Time, 530. We'll be back right after the break. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Well, good morning. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine and also coming up sports, business, weather and traffic. Here's your top five at 530. It's the top five at 530. More tragedy for the NYPD. The second NYPD officer shot Friday night in Harlem has succumbed to injuries suffered in that ambush. Top New York State Democrats are refusing pleas from New York City Mayor Eric Adams to change bail reform laws responsible for putting young gun-toting juveniles right back out onto the streets. President Joe Biden is considering putting 50,000 U.S. military personnel on alert as the Ukraine-Russia crisis boils over. Some bad news for the global economy. The International Monetary Fund has cut its growth forecast for the remainder of this year. And disappointment for those who hoped Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi would fade into the sunset. A double tragedy. The second NYPD police officer shot Friday evening in Harlem while responding to a domestic disturbance call has now died. 27-year-old officer Wilbur Mora was shot in his head. He underwent two surgeries. He remained on life support for organ donation. His partner, 22-year-old Jason Rivera, died on Friday. Police Union President is Pat Lynch, and Lynch visited the 32nd Precinct to offer his support. New York City police officers live here, work here. They are here. They're your neighbors. They're your brothers. They're your sisters, mothers, and fathers. A third officer shot the fleeing suspect who used a weapon stolen out of Baltimore back in 2017 to allegedly shoot Rivera and Mora. Rivera's wake is Thursday and the funeral Friday at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan. Services for Officer Mora have not yet been announced. Well, New York State legislative leaders are bucking New York City Mayor Eric Adams' calls for changes to bail reform laws. Top court officials say judges largely agree with the call for reform, allowing dangerous criminals to be locked up. 
The opposition is from two high-ranking Democratic leaders out in New York City, Senate Majority Leader Andrea Cousins of Yonkers and Assembly Speaker Carl Hastie of the Bronx. New York City's mayor wants to raise the age law, and uh, it was rolled back so gun-toting teens can be prosecuted in criminal court. Adams, please follow the second shooting uh, of uh, the two deaths of NYPD officers and, of course, five NYPD officers shot since January 1st. New York is the only state in the country that does not allow a judge to detain a defendant who poses an immediate threat to the community. Forty-nine other states, as well as the federal government, allow judges to consider a defendant's dangerousness. New York must catch up. Under controversial bail reform laws, judges are forced to free defendants charged with misdemeanors and some felonies from custody without ordering bail, therefore sending some potentially dangerous criminals right back out onto the streets. Judges can only impose the least restrictive conditions to ensure defendants return to court. A more escalation of the Ukraine-Russia crisis. The Biden administration is about to increase tensions, possibly ordering the buildup of even more U.S. troops. Pentagon Press Secretary is John Kirby. He told CNN Tuesday that President Biden is not ruling out putting even more U.S. troops on heightened alert. I certainly would not rule out uh, the possibility that we could be putting additional forces on heightened alert in the coming days and weeks uh, and maybe even moving troops around Europe that are already there uh, to bolster and to reassure some of our allies on the ground. Kirby has already confirmed to the U.S. Defense Department that 8,500 troops have been put on standby for deployment. Now, a new report claims Biden is considering deploying an additional 50,000 troops, U.S. promising harsh sanctions if Russia invades Ukraine. But European allies fear Russia will cut off their supply chain in retaliation for any U.S. imposed economic sanctions. Under the Biden administration, a downturn in the global growth forecast for 2022. The International Monetary Fund has cut its growth forecast for the remainder of the year. The slowing economic recovery in both the U.S. and China, the rise in COVID-19 cases and supply chain disruptions are blamed. Here is IMF First Deputy Managing Director Gita Gopinath on Bloomberg TV. You know, you're seeing a senior decline. We expect it to come down, but we're going to have to wait until 2023 at least given current expectations uh, for inflation to come back down much closer to the Fed target. So the IMF outlook has forecast the global GDP downward to 4.9 percent for 2022. The global GDP was originally forecast to reach 4.9 percent. Well, she's not done, and some say this could actually hurt the Democratic Party's chances in the upcoming midterm elections. 81-year-old Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi of California announced yesterday she will seek another term in Congress. Pelosi revealing her intentions in a video posted to her Twitter handle. Our democracy is at risk because of assaults on the truth, the assault on the U.S. Capitol, and the state-by-state assault on voting rights. This election is crucial. Nothing less is at stake than our democracy. But as we say, we don't agonize we organize. And that is why I am running for re-election to Congress and respectfully seek your support. All right, Pelosi first elected to Congress in 1987 and it has been the top House Democrat since 2003. 77 WABC time check, 537. Let's head over to the traffic desk. Here's Mike Garcia. 
All right, everyone. On the George Washington Bridge on the outbound upper level way, there's a roadblock. There's roadwork blocks going on on the right uh, right lane on the ramp to the Palace State Parkway, and that is pretty much going on until 2.30 p.m. today. Looking over in the town of Sparta, uh, there was an accident on Route 15 northbound, which means all lanes are closed. In Brooklyn on I-278 eastbound between exit 23 and exit 24, there's lots of stop-and-go traffic, so please plan accordingly. As a reminder, both east and westbound, west 135th Street between 7th and 5th Avenue are all closed due to Friday's fatal police shooting. Alternate side parking rules are in effect today. I'm Mike Garcia with your chart report on 77 WABC. All right, and thanks, Mike, and your forecast from the Ramsey Monster Weather Center. Sunshine today, not as warm as yesterday. Our highs 27, the wind chill between 10 and 15. Tonight, mostly clear sky. The lows down to 13, and right now, 22 mostly cloudy skies. The WABC Early News. All right, and also, I should mention to you, we are keeping our eye on the possibility of a nor'easter Friday night into Saturday. Well, President Joe Biden may have apologized to Fox News' Peter Ducey for calling him an, well, SOB, after Ducey asked a question about inflation, but the fallout continues. Was Biden aware of what he was saying? And how does that compare with former President Donald Trump's often contentious relationship with the media? Well, WABC's Lydia Serrani spoke with New York Post columnist Miranda Devine. And this is Lydia Serrani on the line with me right now is famed New York Post columnist Miranda Devine. I have to talk about President Biden, what he said about Fox News reporter Peter Ducey calling him a son of a bee. Was it a gaffe? Did he know what he was saying? Did he realize the mic was on? The fact that we have a president, a world leader disparaging a member of the press simply because he's doing his due diligence and asking an important question. It's kind of outrageous. What it does show is that what a hypocrite Joe Biden is, really. I mean, he came into office pretending that he was somehow uh, the adult in the room, that he was civilized, um, that he was such a great contrast to the barbaric Donald Trump. And yet he has always been uh, a nasty, vituperative, thin-skinned person who has lashed out at anybody who dares challenge him. And you saw that with a very... A reasonable, straightforward question from Peter Ducey um, about inflation. And then when a reporter doesn't fall for that and actually challenges the president, he gets enraged. You're seeing the Democrats, you're seeing a lot of the mainstream media outlets, and they're bringing up the fact that Trump also was very testy with the media, calling them fake news this, fake news that. But they were more of an, uh, like, I'll bring up an example, Jim Acosta. He was very antagonistic with the president. So there you can almost understand if uh, they kind of trade barbs. But Peter Ducey was just asking a simple question about inflation. (laughs) Jackie Heinrich, she was just asking a simple question about Ukraine and for him to disparage them. That's what's really surprising here. And I feel like uh, there is no comparison. Yes, you're so right. That's a really good point that, you know, Peter Ducey and Jackie Heinrich as well, but Peter Ducey, who's in the president's sight because he's always uh, asking questions and always asking the questions the rest of the media pack, apart from the New York Post's excellent Stephen Nelson, don't ask. He could not be a more courteous and gentlemanly reporter. He's always respectful of the president and he always asks questions that are within the bounds of normalcy, whereas Jim Acosta was completely unprofessional. You remember he would be standing up in the press room, shouting. I mean, he got thrown out of some outdoor Rose Garden event 
uh, one time because he was being so abusive. While President Trump, you know, again, I mean, I don't give him a free pass for being abusive. He was certainly provoked in a way that you, you never see Joe Biden being provoked. And I think it's because Joe Biden has always pretended to be something he isn't. I couldn't agree more with you, Miranda Devine. I think we're finally seeing the real Joe Biden. I don't think he cares. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much, Miranda Devine of the New York Post. And this is Lydia Serrani for 77 WABC News. Meanwhile, Ducey did say he accepted the president's apology and will continue to ask the tough questions. Yet another failed Biden administration policy, the U.S. Department of Labor announcing yesterday it's withdrawing its extremely controversial vaccine or test policy for private employers. The withdrawal of the policy comes after the U.S. Supreme Court blocked the Biden administration policy earlier this month. Conservative and Republican groups sued it affected companies with 100 or more employees. So President Biden has continuously urged for separate businesses and states to implement voluntary vaccine measures for employees and customers. Patience is wearing thin and your refusal has cost all of us. So please do the right thing. The high court let stand a vaccine mandate, though, for health care workers. Virginia's new Republican governor, Glenn Youngkin, has set up a tip line. It's for parents of school children. The tip line is so parents of kids being taught divisive subjects can come forward and report any state school that they feel are behaving objectionably. And uh, education issues were central to Youngkin's campaign, you might remember, as he promised to do away with things like COVID-related school closures. Youngkin's also pledged to fight back against critical race theory and other progressive ideologies in schools. We must bind the wounds of division, restore trust, find common cause for the common good, and strengthen the spirit of Virginia. One of Youngkin's first executive orders required school districts to allow parents an opportunity to opt out of masking their kids at school. Youngkin, of course, the first Republican to win the governor's seat in Virginia in more than a decade. Gun violence is not only rocking New York City, but other major cities in the U.S., including Atlanta, Georgia. A six-month-old baby was fatally shot after being caught in the crossfire during a gunfight between two people in nearby vehicles. So far, this is, of course, being investigated. No arrests, though. It's the 12th killing in Atlanta already in 2022 and the second child below the age of six to die from gun violence. And in Milwaukee, six people gunned down inside of a Milwaukee home were killed execution style. The victims were found during a welfare check on Sunday. The victims' ages ranging anywhere from 23 to 49. Now, the cousin of 49-year-old Michelle Williams, one of the victims, told Fox 6 in Milwaukee she couldn't believe what had happened. She was the best person you could meet. Like, she literally had the best heart. She was not in the streets. She was not in, in any gang affiliation or, or, or anything that will cause her this harm. And investigations ongoing. Milwaukee authorities have not yet announced any arrests in this killing of six. 77 WABC time check, 549, 545 on the nose. I'm Deborah time with your 77 WABC early news. And over at the sports desk, Justin Ellick. Thanks, Deb. I am Justin Ellick here with your early news sports update. 
We start today with some big news out of the National Football League as New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton announced yesterday that he'd be stepping away from the Saints sideline after 16 years with the franchise. The 58-year-old Payton said he doesn't plan to coach another team in 2022, but did stress multiple times that retirement is not the right word. The Super Bowl champion and future Hall of Famer departs with three years remaining on his contract, so if he did have aspirations to coach elsewhere next season, the Saints would have to agree to trade compensation. Former Buccaneers wide receiver Antonio Brown making headlines again, as well as Brown and his attorney said Tuesday that they intend to pursue legal action against the Bucks for releasing Brown after he refused to play through an injury against the New York Jets earlier this month. Attorney Sean Burston also stated that they are looking into a possible defamation lawsuit for the team claiming Brown had a mental health episode. The feud between the 33-year-old wideout and his former employer doesn't seem to be cooling down in the slightest. You might not have known it with the current lockout putting the league to sleep, but the Baseball Hall of Fame announced its 2022 inductees yesterday, with the ballot still riddled with players tainted by the steroid era. Red Sox legend David Big Poppy Ortiz was the lone player elected to the Hall this year, a first ballot selection at that. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Sammy Sosa are among the handful of former stars that missed the cut. Quickly, some local scores from yesterday. The Nets lose at home to the Lakers 106-96, to and the Knicks have a 7.30 p.m. Eastern time date tonight in Miami against the Heat. The Devils got routed at home by the Dallas Stars by a score of 5-1, and the Islanders bested the Philadelphia Flyers at home 4-3. The Rangers are off until tomorrow when they take on the Blue Jackets in Columbus. Here with the early news sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, thanks, Justin. And your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, our highs 27, the wind chill 10-15, Mostly clear skies overnight, the low down to 13, and we are keeping our eye for you on a possible nor'easter Friday night into Saturday. We may see up to a foot of snow, but we'll keep you updated here at 77 WABC. Let's head over to Frank Morano with your business report. I'm Frank Morano with your business report. The opening bell rings this morning on Wall Street after another wild trading day as interest rate jitters and geopolitical concerns continued to rattle the markets. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones lost 67 points, the S&P 500 lost 54, and the Nasdaq fell 316 points. Bank of America says the United States is likely just a few years away from implementing a national digital currency. The idea of a digital coin issued by the U.S. government known as central bank digital currencies have gained prominence in recent years alongside the rise of leading crypto tokens such as Bitcoin, which is not tied to any government institution. According to Bloomberg, Bank of America crypto strategists wrote in a client note on Monday that U.S.-backed digital coins are an inevitable evolution of today's electronic currencies. They added the first U.S. digital dollar could be issued between 2025 and 2030. We'll be watching. Industry officials warned this week that many more U.S. restaurants could close permanently if Congress does not pass additional federal relief measures during the Omicron surge. The National Restaurant Association outlined the dilemma in a letter urging congressional leaders to replenish the Restaurant Revitalization Fund, which provided $29 billion in grant money to bars and eateries impacted by COVID-19 restrictions. And finally... 
Ben & Jerry's parent company, Unilever, plans a massive overhaul that includes job cuts and global restructuring. This will have the Vermont-based ice cream maker operate under a separate umbrella along with its sister brands, Breyers and Klondike. The popular seller of flavors like Chunky Monkey and Salted Caramel Brownie is one of more than 400 brands in the Unilever portfolio, which includes Dove, Lipton, and others. It's unclear if the public backlash to Ben & Jerry's decision on Israel recently played a role in the parent company company's restructuring. I'm Frank Morano with your business report. All right, 787 WABC time check 550. Deb Valentine with your early news. Well, President Joe Biden phoned New York City's Mayor Eric Adams Monday night offering firm support for Adams to crack down on violent crime following the fatal shooting of two NYPD officers in Harlem last week. Five officers shot so far this year. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said that Biden called Adams to express his deepest condolences over the killings of officers Wilbert Mora and Jason Rivera. Last night, President Biden spoke by phone uh, with New York City Mayor Eric Adams to express his deepest condolences over the tragic shootings last Friday of two New York Police Department officers, including one fatally. President Biden reiterated his admiration for the brave men and women of law enforcement who risk their lives on a daily basis to protect our communities. And some details on funeral services for fallen NYPD officer Jason Rivera. His wake is Thursday, the funeral mass Friday at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan. The wake from 1 to 8 p.m. The funeral mass starts at 9 a.m. Friday. Thousands of mourners are expected, including EMS from all over the country. So Fifth Avenue will be closed to traffic between 42nd and 51st streets for the funeral. Rivera's interment will be private and held at a cemetery in Westchester County. Well, a wild scene at a New York City hospital. A man whipped out a gun and shot a patient inside Jacoby Hospital's ER Tuesday. The wild series of events caught on video. The gunman, dressed in all black, runs from the ER desk over to the waiting area where he pulled out his gun and fired at his male victim. Somebody said, oh, someone has a gun, someone has a gun. And the victim awaiting treatment for a previous injury is seen frantically trying to take cover. The ER ended up going into lockdown mode. The suspect ran off, and so far he has not been caught. Well, a political artist arrested Tuesday for creating a fake crime scene outside Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's office, complete with a tiny blood-stained pink jacket like the one worn by a baby recently shot in the cheek by a stray bullet. Scott Lobiato, a self-described artist, patriot, and activist who claims to celebrate America with bold brush strokes, called his installation a creative protest against woke DAs and their approaches to criminal justice reform. He's got blood on his f***ing hands. That's what he has, blood on his hands. The f- is the governor. And uh, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg recently issued a memo directing his office to take a lenient approach to prosecutions by dropping some misdemeanor cases and not seeking bail or prison time for some felonies. Under pressure, Bragg partially walked back his soft-on-crime approach earlier this week, stating that some felonies will be prosecuted. Lobiondo said the protest was against all district attorneys, including those outside of New York. Well, as we reported earlier, on again, off again, now on again, New York State's statewide mask mandate is back, at least for now. An appeals court judge granted a motion Tuesday to pause a decision by a lower court lifting the state's mask mandate for business. New York Governor Kathy Hochul sought the injunction. She expressed her dissatisfaction 
with a Long Island judge's original decision blocking the state's mask mandate. I'm encouraging parents and students to continue doing what they're doing because the last thing I want to see is a different trend because people gave up on the mask really. Now, I am so looking forward to the day. It's their history. We don't have to do this any longer. All of us are. Yet another uh, on the mask mandate, another hearing is scheduled for this Friday. The November 24th state mandate from the Department of Health requires that businesses without mandatory vaccination policies requires all workers, customers, and guests to wear masks to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Well, New York City Mayor Eric Adams detailed his blueprint, anti-crime blueprint, on 77 WABC with 77 WABC owner and operator John Katsimatidis yesterday. Adams has vowed to wipe out gun violence now. He explains the unit will be different than the abolished former anti-crime unit. Here's Adams on the Bernie and Sid in the Morning program with Katz. There are many rivers that are flowing into the sea of violence. And it's dealing with lawmakers, the flow of guns, of the practices on the ground in policing, mental health. And each one of those sea rivers must be dammed. If you don't, you're not going to address the underlying causes of violence. All right. That's New York City Mayor Eric Adams on 77 WABC yesterday during the Bernie and Sid in the morning program with 77 WABC owner John Katzmatidis. Now, here's more information on Adams' new anti-crime program. These neighborhood safety teams, he says, will be required to use body cameras while officers in these teams actually interact with the public. So that is different from the former anti-crime unit. The former 600-person anti-crime unit was criticized for a disproportionate amount of things like complaints and shootings compared to the rest of the force. All right, we've been telling you about this uh, possibility of a nor'easter hitting the tri-state area. Yes, another blast. Old man winter is in the forecast. Now, there are predictions of up to a foot of snow or even more from this nor'easter forecast to hit the region. Now, this is expected to happen Friday night into Saturday. Weather officials say the exact track of this storm system, however, at this time remains unclear. So it's still just a little bit too early to tell the exact track of this storm system. AccuWeather senior meteorologist is Adam Douth, and he told the New York Post that the area, though, is likely to, in fact, see some accumulation and high winds. This is storm scenario number one, where this low pressure system will form off the coast, but it will stay near the coast, which would bring heavy snow well inland into western PA, northwestern New England, upstate New York, even into the possibly the southern Appalachians. So the storm has the potential to impact states as far south as North Carolina through Maine, and the heaviest snowfall is expected across New England, particularly in Massachusetts. So right now they are forecasting the possibility, possibility here of up to a foot of snowfall Friday night into Saturday for New York City. All right, Deb Valentine with your early news and WABC time check 557. And that means it's time to head over to the traffic desk with Mike Garcia. Hi, Mike. 
Hi, Deb. Uh, good morning, everyone. On the George Washington Bridge on outbound upper level, there's road work blocking the right lane on the ramp to the Palisades Parkway until 2.30 today. In the town of Sparta, there was an accident on Route 15 northbound that occurred this morning, which means all lanes are closed, so please choose an alternate route. A bit of stop-and-go traffic on I-278 eastbound between exit 23 and exit 24, as well as Harlem River Drive southbound between exit 19 and exit 18. As a reminder, both east and westbound west 135th Street between 7th and 5th Avenue are closed due to Friday's fatal police shooting. Alternate side parking rules are in effect today. I'm Mike Garcia with your traffic report on 77 WABC. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today are high near 27. The wind chill between 10 and 15. Overnight, mostly clear skies, low down to 13. Right now, we're holding steady at 22 degrees under mostly clear skies. All right, we're working our way to the Bernie and Sid in the morning program here on 77 WABC. Bernie and Sid back today. And uh, we have to tell you about a couple more stories before we head to Bernie and Sid. Controversy after Planned Parenthood actually hosted a reproductive health workshop. Now, this was at one of New York City's elite schools, the Nightingale Bamford School for Girls. This happened Monday. The Instagram account at NYC Privates School Watch slammed the school over Planned Parenthood's visit, accusing the institution of overstepping its bounds. So the visit appeared, though, to be part of the school's annual Health and Wellness Day, which allows students to opt in to workshops about specific health issues and topics. And uh, it is unclear this morning if parental consent was actually required for these schoolgirls to participate in that workshop. The school also, interestingly, has the second highest paid head teacher in New York City who earns a salary of over $900,000 and other compensation, such as housing. Wow. All right, 77 WABC News time coming up on 559, working our way to the Bernie and Sid in the morning program. We are keeping our eye on that Nor'easter, we'll have information for you throughout the day as we get New information as forecasters track that storm. Meanwhile, your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center today calling for sunshine, not as warm as it was yesterday, high near 27. And that means the wind chill value anywhere between 10 and 15 degrees. Overnight, mostly clear skies, the low down to 13 degrees. Right now, 22 degrees here in the Big Apple under mostly clear skies. Deb Valentine with your early news. Be back with us tomorrow morning for the early news. Have a great day. Bernie and Sid waiting in the wings.